Hello and welcome to the latest episode of PSG Talking. I'm your host, Ed, and on today's show, we're going to recap PSG's exit in the UEFA Champions League at the hands of Bayern Munich, the fallout from that result, and then we're going to touch on today's result against Brest, a last-minute win for PSG. Joining me on the show once again, let's bring him on in here. We have Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise. Ethan, how are you this Saturday afternoon? Hey, I'm pretty good. That, uh, that win definitely helped. The game was pretty uh, grim for a while, but, you know, we, we got the win thanks to a little bit of uh, star power magic. So, yeah, how you doing? Yeah, no, doing all right. And, uh, yeah, we're recording here on Saturday, March 11th, just minutes after PSG's win over Brest. We're going to talk about that win uh, on the second part of the show. And we're here. We're coming to you, you know, video. We haven't done this in a while, Ethan, so everyone gets to see your face. And, unfortunately, they get to see me again. I'm sure I get all kinds of comments about that. But, you know, we're trying to up the production quality, give the people what they want, and, and turn on the video camera for once. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't think most people know. You know, I've posted a couple uh couple photos of what i look like like way back on my twitter but yeah i don't think anyone's really ever seen my face so yeah it'll be fun but um yeah so let's get let's get into this let's talk some psg super fun week yeah i'm sure you know yeah yeah Let's just yeah. do it. So let's start with that loss to Bayern Munich at the Allianz Arena. PSG defeated last Wednesday 2-0, and it was 3-0 on aggregate. I'm still trying to wrap my head around how PSG didn't score at all in that tie when they came close so many times. There were you know goals that went in that VAR pulled back, and we just had so many chances. But at the end of the day, zero goals for PSG. So, Ethan, you've had a few days to digest this one. What is your main takeaway from that result? Ooh, the main takeaway. Well, I'm seeing on on social media. I'm seeing a lot of people are. I think they're they're. Everyone wants to put blame on on one certain person or one certain thing. Or you know, if uh, Vitinha hadn't missed that that sitter and Delit hadn't cleared it off the line, then maybe we win. Or this is Messi's fault. This is Mbappe's fault. This is Galtier's fault. This is Campos' fault. Whoever you want to blame. But I, I think it's a it's a team effort. Uh, there's no one singular reason for this defeat, I think, but uh, overall, just not good enough, didn't have the quality, and I don't think that is solely on the fault of the people that are still at the club. So, uh, I mean, we're taking a lot of guys, Vitinha and, and Fabian Ruiz are brand new to that midfield, and as I've said before, and I think many people agree, midfield the midfield wins championships. And you look at Byron's midfield, for the most part, all those guys have been there years. Thomas Mueller has been at uh, Byron for, <clears throat> I think, 13 years now. He's a one-club man. Kimmich been there forever. Goretzka been there a while. Uh, you know, Musial is young, but he's been in the system. And uh, they're just a, a well-oiled team. So we're just not quite at that level. I mean, that's kind of what we do, right, as fans or just as a, a human species. We like to, if something doesn't go our way, we like to blame someone or something as the reason why it didn't turn out the way that we wanted. Um, like you, I've seen a lot of people blaming a lot of Nasser hate, um, QSI hate. There's been, you know, on my end, I've been, you know, Neymar didn't play in that match, but I, I feel like Neymar's played a role into where PSG are today. A lot of people critical of Messi walking around. There's been some... Um, high-profile pundits who, who have mentioned that. Um, you know, my main takeaway is that this this era of PSG, this iteration, whatever you want to call it, is done. For me, it's not good enough. The squad's not good enough. We don't have the depth. You look at Bayern, you know, some of the players that they had on their bench, I'm just kind of looking this up. I mean, they were able to bring in Serge Gnabry, uh, Lior Sané, um, Sadio Mane, uh, Jao Cancelo, and who did we bring in? A 17-year-old, Bitsiabu. Well, two 17-year-olds. Uh, two 17 uh, Zaire Warren, that, that was Warren's birthday, the day of that match. Yeah, so he had just turned 17. 
We brought in Bitch Yabu, who is the substitute of the substitute of the starter for Marquinhos, who got hurt, and then Mukiele, who also got hurt. Uh, Mukiele was only on 10 minutes. I don't know what, what he – I don't know what happened there. And then, yeah, we also brought on uh, – what we bring on? Bernat, Ekatike. Yep. A Bayern castaway in Juan Bernat. Yeah, and then did – who was the last guy to come on? Was it uh, uh, Soler? Ekatike, I think. I think it was Ekatike. Oh, no. I think we brought on five though. Anyway, doesn't matter. But yeah, it's it's pretty clear the 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 depth there uh, is is not what you know. I was so surprised how how do team you know I'm thinking how do teams like Bayern how do they have this depth? It's because they're well run. It's not that complicated, you know. So yeah, it's uh it's just unfortunate. And I'm a little bit in that uh, Nasser uh, out. You know, I, I I was tweeting a bunch after that game. Hashtag QSI out. Um, well, don't get too much into it because I have. A, I'm going to yeah. give you the floor and let you just run with that because I have some questions about that. Oh, I saw okay. you tweeting up a storm, but anyway, yeah. that's that's my main takeaway is that this team, yeah. the squad, is not good enough. I love that we mm-hmm. have, um, I love that we have the youngsters, but in a game like this, I don't want to be bringing them off the bench, uh, 17 years old. I, I think it's great to have for league play, but in this match, we need to have quality players who have done it, players who can get out there and get the job done. And we just didn't have that. So that would be my main takeaway uh, from this match. It just wasn't good enough. Um, let's drill into the, the match itself now, Ethan. I want to start with, I guess, the first news. We were doing the pre-match show on Twitter Spaces. And you you said, oh, look, Marquinhos. Um, he, he doesn't look like he's going to be able to make. He's not passing his fitness test. Then we see he's starting. So what do you make of that whole situation? It was clear that he had something going on but then he just went and started and had to come out within under 30 minutes i think it was so thoughts on on marquinhos playing in this one yeah yeah he played 35 minutes he came out at the 36th um yeah i think what you said uh i think you said it in the post game i think you said it in the post game twitter spaces that we did that i totally agreed with uh, as the captain if if you don't think that you can go if he doesn't think he can go at least 75 minutes then uh, or at least 60 minutes then he shouldn't have been on on the field you know maybe i get that you know he he's seen as as a, a leader there with the captain armband but and he you know i'm sure he's trying to push himself he thinks you know i got to i got to put in a good shift here but uh, i think some realistic expectations would have been nice for him uh, you know real expectations on himself i mean I'm not going to speculate on that too much. Maybe he really thought that he could go 75 minutes and then half an hour in, he's really hurting, you know, we're not sure, but um, definitely not ideal. It it put us at a disadvantage for the rest of the game. And um, yeah, I mean, if, if he knew he couldn't go 75, then that's just kind of irresponsible of him to, uh, you know, to be in that spot. We, we had, I mean, depth was pretty thin, but, we could have we could have figured it out. Like I said, Mukiele has experience at right center back, and he could have played most of the match if needed. I mean, his injury was also unexpected, but maybe if he starts, you know, things go different. Maybe he doesn't get that injury. So, yeah, I guess that's all I got on. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, did he come in after sitting at halftime? Maybe he wasn't warmed up or whatever. When he came in, maybe he's a little cold, and, and that led to uh, – um, you know, Mukiele getting picking up that injury. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you mentioned it. I just thought, you know, if you're a captain, you can't put your team in that sort of situation. If you can't go the full ninety, you have no business out there. You're you're doing your team a disservice. Um, and then, and also, it's you know, you look back at that first leg, and I think about Mbappe. How different could this tie have been if Mbappe was the one who said, "Hey, I'm good. I'm playing from the from kickoff." Why wasn't he afforded the same sort of leeway that Marquinhos was? Why did Mbappe have to come on for the last 30 minutes or so after Bayern scored in the first leg? Maybe this whole tie is different if we have Mbappe from the very beginning. Maybe we score a goal early. Um, any thoughts on that? Why maybe Mbappe wasn't allowed to play? I mean, he was in the squad. He did play in the second half. Why couldn't he start where then you see in the second leg Marquinhos is starting? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe... I mean, maybe that could have been a thing where Killian knew he couldn't go the full ninety. Uh, it's it's so hard to say. I don't. I would have, I would love to know what those conversations were like with Galtier. 
if if Killian was, you know, if that talk was uh, Galtier deciding that Killian wasn't going to go 90 or if Killian knew himself that he couldn't go 90. And then same with, with Marquinhos. I wonder if Galtier was the one who essentially pulled him or if, uh, or I guess he didn't pull him when we're talking about, uh, you know, if, yeah, I just would have liked to know how that had went, you know, if, um, yeah, because it, it is weird because you're totally right. It could have been a totally different tie because, I mean, we all saw in the first leg that the last 33 minutes, you know, we were we were cooking. We played much better than Byron in those 33 minutes, whereas they played better in the previous 57, coincidentally, when Killian came on. But, yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough situation. And uh, I, I wish that we could know, you know, deep down what, what was said between the players and coaches. And if you remember in that first half, in the first leg, Byron were really pushing forward, uh, very aggressive, winning the ball, lots of possession. Could you have had Mbappe out there, and maybe that's when you spring the counterattack, you know, absorb that pressure, boom, launch him. And maybe he plays 45 minutes, and he can only go for one half. You know, get a goal, get something, get something positive. As it is, PSG score zero goals. Um, so looking at the second leg, the first half I thought PSG played well. Um, they certainly better than the first half in the first leg. Um, but in the second half, Bayern just decided to shift it into a, a, a just a different level, a different gear. Why is it that PSG can't do that? Is it a case of the injuries piling up, as maybe Christophe Gaultier would say? Um, is it the manager? Is he just not given the right halftime talk? Is he not getting the tactics right? Or is it just come down to mentality? So, Ethan, for you, for PSG, why is it that they can't shift into another gear? In that second half, they were getting absolutely blissed, and they could do nothing about it. They knew their Champions League lives were on the line, and they could do absolutely nothing against that team. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of everything. I uh, I mean, I think it's, especially within Bayern Twitter, I've just got to see it a little bit. They don't consider Julian Nagelsmann the most... Uh, you know, brilliant tactician of all time, but uh, he did he did a lot better than I thought th- that he was going to do. Uh, he outcoached Galtier, but at the same time, we we look at that and we we think you know who who were they able to bring on? We already went over depth. Uh, I mean, a lot of people were criticizing Galtier after the match because it sounded like he was attributing the loss to injuries and a lack of depth, and not himself. But um, I I think that it would have been nice for him to take a little bit of responsibility. But if we're being honest, he didn't have a lot of people to – he didn't really have anyone to bring on. He didn't have – I mean, just the options compared to to who Nagelsmann had on his bench. What what possibly could could they do? I mean, um, yeah, I definitely agree. Whatever whatever halftime talk he gave uh, didn't work, and he definitely got beat by Nagelsmann there. Um, which I'm sure Nagelsmann said something like, you know, it should be one, one, but we're, we're fortunate to still have the lead and there let's make them regret the chances that they missed. And, and they did that. So I, I just don't think it's all, uh, I just don't think you can put the blame on any one thing. I don't really blame Galtier. A lot of people want him out, but what, what more could he have done? He couldn't have brought, you know, uh, Icardi could not have flown from Turkey to to Munich in time. Uh, <clears throat> Paredes couldn't have made it from from Turin in time. Like there were no options. There was no one to to bring onto the pitch. The injuries were were pretty brutal. We had you know think of the guys we had out: uh, Neymar, Kempembe, Renato Sanchez. We had gosh, and then the injuries we got during the game, uh, just even more. So I don't think you can chalk it up to one thing. Uh, but the the lack of, of depth, I think, is – I do agree with Galtier there. I think the lack of depth is was just tough because, I mean, if we, we're thinking uh, Vitinha scores that near the end of the first half and it goes in tied, we've probably got a little momentum. Maybe they make some good changes. Oh, yeah, that that horrible moment. Um, there it is. Wish that had, wish that had gone in so bad. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people – really random side note. A lot of people have said – uh, oh, we'll watch when Jan Sommer tries to swipe at Vitinha's legs. And I'm almost thinking Vitinha definitely could have taken a shot to legs, gone down. That's a red card for Sommer and a penalty. But I, just in the moment, I get 
especially because Vitinha is an aggressive shooter we've seen. It's just he's not going to – that's a – it's maybe the smart mentality, but in, in football it might be sort of considered like a loser's mentality because you're, you're trying to score. Yeah. You know, you're not trying to – so I get. But I mean, Bar- a Barcelona player would have went down, a Real Madrid player. My, my favorite part of this photo is uh, if you look in the middle to the left of the official is Danilo. Hands raised, oh celebrating. Gosh. No, I saw that. I think, you can, I think you can see right by DeLitt's head – in the very back, is that also Sergio Ramos celebrating or something? Yeah, they, they thought it was in. Um, I, I, I've learned to never fully trust this team. I was not going to celebrate until I saw the net ripple. So I was thinking, oh, come on, like please put this away, Vitinha. And then when he didn't, I was just thinking, man, that's, that is going to bite us. But isn't that funny? I, I do feel, no, I totally agree with you. A Barcelona-Real Madrid player? Uh, maybe it's a bit They're going down. If maybe Neymar's it's a out bit, there, he's going down. Maybe it's a bit weak, but honestly, it's the smart way to go. And they're maybe going down. You're right. And uh, that's uh, yeah, it's it's just tough. But um, yeah, well, let, let me ask you. Let me bring up a photo here. Of our boy Christoph Gautier. This is a two part question, um, and I can kind of answer this one first, and I'll toss it to you. Which is, do you think? Christophe Gaultier will be sacked at the end of the season, and do you think he should? I think I think he will. I think he will uh, be sacked at the end of the season. We're already hearing rumblings that they're eyeing up a two-goal return. Do I think that he should? No. Um, I don't think it's, it's completely his fault. You look at that bench, we've already said. Um, for years now, we've talked about the training staff at PSG has been abysmal in keeping players fit, getting them back in time. I mean, we just now saw Renato Sanchez come back. He's been out for how long? You know, Sergio Ramos comes in. He's out the entire season. Players get injuries, and they just go into the this black hole, and you never see them again. Um, we're the only club, I feel like, that has this constant injury bug, and players don't get healthy. So I put a lot of blame on them. Um, I put a lot of blame on the way this squad has been assembled. So I don't think that you can just say, oh, it's the manager's fault. Get rid of him. So I don't think he should be sacked. But unfortunately, this is PSG, and I think he will be sacked. Uh, Ethan, what say you? Yeah, for the sake of, uh, I guess, parity, it would, it would be nice if I had a different opinion. Uh, but I'll try and elaborate a little differently on it. This doesn't have uh, to be but, undisputed. We're allowed to no, agree. <laughs> oh, oh, I know, I know. It would just be, <laughs> it would just be fun for discussion's sake. But no, I do agree with you. I don't think he should necessarily be sacked. But yeah, just you pretty much nailed my thoughts uh, that I was thinking. It's PSG. Their QSI is all, they're so reactionary. They are so, you know, if we don't get those results right now, you're out of here. And uh, yeah, I honestly think he he will be sacked, even though he shouldn't. Um, The one thing I will say is if the club is, if Campos, because I trust Campos, uh, and I trust his judgment. We've seen what he has done at other clubs, and the uh, the the way that he's managed the wage bill so far this season. And we'll get into this later because this is really what I think the the crux of the problem for our season is. But uh, the way that he he's been able to assemble teams in the past, uh, I, I just trust his judgment. And if he thinks that bringing in Tuchel or Zidane, if Zidane wants to come, which I doubt it, but you know who knows. If he thinks that someone else can be a significant upgrade to Christophe Galtier, then I would trust them to bring him in. But other than that, I, I don't see any of those probably working out. So while he, uh, yeah, same, same as you were saying, he shouldn't be sacked because, I mean, what can you really fault? I mean, yeah, we haven't played the best football in the past couple months, uh, the injuries, the World Cup hangover, so many teams. There, there are not a lot of teams in Europe right now who are playing amazing football. I mean, you see Real Madrid, they beat Liverpool 5-2, and then I swear they draw to a relegation side the very next week. I feel like the only teams that are really playing well right now uh, is basically Napoli. They're the only one who's been mostly flawless throughout the whole season. So teams go through ups and downs. And let's not, you know, let's not, uh, yeah, I just, I don't, I would hate to sack someone just to be reactionary and think, oh, you know, if we sack someone, it could get better. 
we've been doing that for 13 years and has it got better? Not really. So I think patience, patience is a virtue. I'll put it that way. And uh, I think we need to keep the faith a little bit. I mean, to be fair, like they have sacked a lot, but since Ancelotti, we really haven't had that, that manager come in with that cachet. Maybe at the time he didn't even really have it. Um, he certainly has it now, but he probably wouldn't win any parts of PSG. Um, you know, and you're right, clubs and you're out going through ups and downs. You look at Liverpool just absolutely smashing Manchester United, and then they come out today and lose to Bournemouth. Uh, sorry, that's my phone. ESPN alert. Um, so, uh, you know, in, the, in Liverpool are, are fighting um, to get into a, a top four spot. They may or may not be in the Champions League. They're struggling. You know, if they get rid of Klopp, that's a that's a manager I would certainly take. Um, but, yeah, if it's not going to be a manager like that, a Zidane, a Klopp, something like that, is going from Gaultier to Tuchel uh, really that big of an upgrade? I don't know. So, But you're right, and, and I guess we're both right, that PG, unfortunately, will probably sack uh, Gaultier. So um, let's move it along here. Ethan, I was on a podcast recently, and it was all about the ripple effects um, coming from the um, 6-1 loss to Barcelona years back. Um, this defeat wasn't as embarrassing but I want to ask you, what are the ripple effects that you think will come from yet another round of 16 defeat? And when I say ripple effects, don't say, you know, oh, they're, they're going to sell a player. Kind of think like big picture, several years down the road. What are the ripple effects that are going to happen from this that are going to be major? Um, try to think in like that. I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but what do you think? Okay, I'll try and make some bold takes here. And I did listen to that. Uh, podcast that episode that you did thank you, thank you. on La Remontada. Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, with the uh, you're with some Barcelona fan and and then the host. I can't remember his name, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was a good episode. It was but, uh, James, right. James Alcott, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. And the podcast um, is a Spotify exclusive, so if you want to go there, it's called the Ripple Effect. Just go and, and find the Remontada podcast if you want to listen to it. But go ahead, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, you're good. So I'm going to try and just, yeah, are, you are putting me on the spot a little bit, but I'm going to try and think. I I still think we're going to win the Champions League the next five years. Uh, I think this is going to be, I think this season will be viewed in a couple years as the rebuilding season. Uh, the It was a transitional uh, season where, and I guess I can touch on this later, I think Campos and Mbappe and probably a lot of people knew. I think just listening to interviews now after you know the elimination has happened, I don't think any of these guys thought we would win the Champions League this year, and I don't necessarily think that is a bad thing. And Bobby uh, especially <clears throat> seemed very calm about this loss. Yeah, I, I know. And the, the quotes that he said, uh, just yeah, the quotes that he had after the elimination, I guess I can touch on it a little bit right now. I believe one of them said, uh, he said, you know, we – Oh, this was it. He said from the beginning of the season, we were going to give our maximum in the Champions League. And I really believe that was our maximum. That was our best. That's what he said after the match. So I think, and he is close with Campos. He knows Campos well. I'm pretty sure Campos is the guy that essentially discovered him and brought him to Monaco uh, 10 years ago or, or eight years ago. You know, like a couple years before Mbappe had that breakout season for Monaco in the Champions League. So they're close. I think they knew. Uh, I think they were very, very close in that aspect. They, they both knew that this was a rebuilding year. And I guess I can, yeah, I'll touch into it a little bit now. If you look at what Campos did this, uh, this year, in the winter, he couldn't really afford to spend more than $20 million, uh, supposedly. That's, that's what the reports we've heard. Uh, just because of FFP. We, and apparently that was not enough for Inter to uh, part with Milan Skriniar. So it is what it is. And then tried to get Ziyech at the end and Chelsea hosed us there. But uh, spending was going to be tough in the winter. But then in the summer before that, I counted the other day. We let 17 guys that got significant minutes last year uh, go. So we let, and some of that was in January, you know, we... We let Navas go and we let, you know, just, I'm not going to read the whole list of 17, but we let 17 guys that have been decent pieces in the team go this, uh, this season. 
And if you exclude the Nuno Mendes transfer, that was always going to happen. I'm sure it was finalized before Luis Campos came in charge. If you exclude that one, he only brought in five guys, four midfielders and Mukiele. And uh, that was it. Other than that, we just relied on the youth a little bit more. And I truly think that, I mean, you that's just asking for, for depth problems. I, I bet if we wanted to, we could have kept Paredes, Herrera, Colin Dagba, guys like that, and kept them for depth so that we we weren't having to throw in uh, Bichiabu in the in a Champions League, uh, you know, knockout tie. But I think it was. I think they Campos knew the wage bill had to be lowered this year. It was unsustainable. I've heard reports it was over four hundred million for the players last year, which is just ungodly. This year, uh, based on the, some of the research I've done, I think he's got it down just with the, the guys he's loaned out and the guys he sold, as well as only bringing in six guys. I think the wage bill is in the low 300s now. So I think he's maybe dropped the wage bill down 20% already. And if, if you're on, uh, on Twitter at all, you'll see that the club is, there are all these reports from the club that they want to reduce it another 30 so that's not 50 total. That's 30% from where we're at right now. Um, and so I just think that that said, we're trying to avoid FFP violations and sanctions. We've seen what happened to Juventus uh, recently, a little different because it's not a wage bill thing. And then we've seen some of what's happened at Man City recently. And I think Campos is smart. I think he knew that that, that kind of stuff, we're susceptible to that stuff. We're already the most fined club in FFP history. I think we've paid something like $75 million in fines in the QSI era, which is more than any other club. So I think this year, I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced, just like I said, based on Mbappe's quotes, based on all this stuff. You know, Mbappe said that we, we've, we've talked about this, but he said that this time will not affect his future in Paris, which either means he's already decided he's going to leave uh, and request a transfer, but I, don't, I just don't get that vibe. Um, maybe, but you know, unlikely, but it, it, I think he knew that this was a rebuilding year, which is weird thinking that a guy like Mbappe would be a part of a, a rebuild, a project, but I think he wants a champions league in his, uh, in his city, uh, that bad to where he's willing to tough out this year. And so the, I guess that's kind of my, my take on it. I could really go more into depth, but at a five minute snapshot, um, I think that's kind of what the season boils down to. That would be s certainly the, the ripple effect. And, and maybe if he ends up staying, if he is calm, if you do believe him at his word, uh, Mbappe that is, maybe he maybe the ripple effect is he, he knew he signed, up, he signed up for a rebuild and maybe he will sign another extension or I think he's got another uh, an option for an additional year. So maybe he'll... He'll sign up for that if he knows that he, this is a project. And we remember he was saying, I want a project. I want a project built around me. So maybe that's the ripple effect, um, much to the chagrin of Real Madrid supporters who are already um, counting their chickens that he will <laughs> that he will make the, the jump from PSG to Real Madrid. For me, I think the ripple effect is going to be, and this is maybe just me being hopeful, but I, I think... I think the ripple effect is we're going to see some players that we've seen in this squad move on. I'm talking about Marquinhos. I'm talking about Marco Verratti. Uh, those two players in particular. I'm also thinking Neymar. I think the ripple effect with, with that, um, I think he's going to leave. I've got a, a piece that I'm um, working on right now about some clubs that he could potentially go to, but I think that is one of the big ripple effects from this. I think he's done at PSG. We had a column from Jonathan Johnson from CBS Sports, and he said PSG would love to be rid of him yesterday if they could, if they could find a buyer. I think they'll find something creative. I think there'll be a desperate team out there. Um, so I think Neymar will go. I think Messi's going to go. And then I think we'll see at least one of the two, uh, Marquinhos or Verratti, um, could potentially go. If not this summer, then the following. But I, I think that the core that we've seen in this team for so long, it, it has to be broken up. And I don't think that... Verratti is a bad player and I don't think Marquinhos is a bad player I just think that they've gotten too comfortable here it's not working it's year after year the same thing unreliable uh, inconsistent and 
I think for their own career, it might be better for them to move on and, and play somewhere else and let PSG get a fresh start. Let some of the younger players get some minutes and let's bring in some some new fresh faces um, that Campos has identified that can do something and don't have all that burden of the, the defeats over the few uh, past few years. So that's my ripple effect. Any comments on that before we move on to the next question? Mm, yeah, I, 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 I like those thoughts. I personally, I don't think that'll happen. Um, I, I just think the club, I mean, I feel like QSI says they want changes and then they make changes in the wrong spots. So maybe even if that is the, those are the right moves, I'm just not confident that they'll, they'll make the, the necessary moves. Um, what I will just mention real quick though, is, uh, if, if those kind of guys leave, I would like to see, and I've, I've been pretty vocal about this on, uh, on Twitter lately, but, uh, Evan uh, Ndika and Marcus Turam, both native Parisians, both some of the most valuable players in the world whose contracts end this summer. Uh, I would like to see us go after both of them. If we can get at least one, that would be cool. Uh, I just think, uh, yeah, we need a couple guys that'll, that'll fight for the, a couple more guys that'll fight for the badge. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of, yeah, summed up my, my reply. I like it. Ethan, I'm going to give you the mic and let you take this one because on Twitter, you have been adamant. Hashtag QSI out. Hashtag QSI out. So why do you feel that? And then walk me through what that would even look like. Can it be a quick change? Do you have an owner in mind that you would prefer? It, you know, It's one thing to say Gaultier out or QSI out. Then what? So walk me through the then what. Let's say you get your wish and they're out. Then what? Yeah, so if I get their wish and they're out, then, I mean, obviously, I think we, anyone who's QSI out, I think people know why they want QSI out. Um, not a fan of the, the sports washing regime, not a fan of the way they've managed the club. Uh, they don't seem to know a lot about football. Uh, I feel that Nasser, I feel like he could be good. He could be a, a really good president, potentially. If he only stuck to PSG, but as as many of us know, he's uh, he's got, you know, he's he's in a hundred different places. He's the head of, uh, I think, president of BN Sports. He's the head of a tennis association because he's a former uh, professional tennis player. Well, let, let me. Uh, does just, he yeah, do he, any of those things well, though? Does he do any? BN Sports is a train wreck. I don't here. know. Well, what yeah, BN Sports. <laughs> like, what does he do well exactly, other than make friends with the right people? What does he do well? Yeah, I I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, being sports is pretty lousy. I don't know how he does in the other capacities, though. Um, I mean, I would say if he's accused of, you know, the journalist, um, you know, uh, uh, kidnapping yeah. and torturing. He's Apparently, been under how many investigations? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, he's really good. Uh, the thing he's really good at is getting accused of serious crimes. Um, so there's there's one thing you want to know what he's good at. No, but uh, I don't I don't I don't know what exactly that would look like. But um, th those are that's kind of why I want QSI out. Um, I feel like I'm not sure if it was their decision to appoint Campos or if it was really Mbappe who pushed it because he knows him. Uh, however, it happened. I'm glad they appointed him. That was actually something they did right for once. But if you look at it. Uh, a lot of people call me crazy for, you know, why, why do you want them out? Look how they've invested. Yes, they're the first rich owners that we've ever had to invest. We've had rich owners in the past, but none have invested like this. But what what is investing all that money if, if there's no coherent plan uh, for a real sporting project? You know, it's all been marketing money. They've, they've been great to market the club well. Uh, before you know, Leonardo came in a couple years ago, the revenue and expenses was a really healthy number and we were actually making money every year. So they, they, they do well with the marketing stuff, but they're not football people. They're not, um, yeah, which, I mean, I'm glad they have appointed a couple football guys recently, but um, out, outside of that, uh, I'm trying to think new owners. I don't have anyone in mind for a new owner. Um, but well, who, whoever the new owner is, I just looked it up. Uh, Forbes values uh, PSG at 3.2 billion. Um, you know, yeah. we're here in the United States, and you know, we saw the Phoenix Suns go for four billion. I think um, 
You yeah, know, NFL Denver Broncos team, Denver for Broncos. five or six. Yeah. So yeah. there's people out there that have that kind of money. So there definitely is. Yeah. Would you want to see like a Jeff Bezos type, someone who just has that kind <laughs> of money? Or is it you want like a, a consortium of people? Do you want maybe French owners? So maybe not a name, but do you have maybe a type of owner that you'd want? Mm, well, I, I think a French owner would be nice if it could happen. Uh, I'm just not sure there's there's a, a consortium that would be power enough, powerful enough to do that. But um, I don't think, you know, we see Premier League uh, fans criticize American owners a bunch, but I believe the average American owner would, would probably be an upgrade. And I'm, I'm not just saying that because I'm, I'm American uh, and I'm, you know, I've been against American ownership in the past of clubs. I, the, the country where you're from, I don't think matters. It's whether you can run a club well. So I, I think ideally it would probably be a very rich. Uh, I mean, you look at the guy that is bidding against uh, the Qatari group for Manchester United. It's uh, the last name's Ratcliffe. He's a yeah. Manchester guy. Um, he's he's he in just some pharmaceuticals that, or some, yeah. yeah, like some pharmaceutical or something like that. It's like a, a rich, uh, probably a single person, a rich, uh, you know, Amer- European or Amer- someone in the Western world, probably going to be the, the best owner there. But I think he's got I, ties I just, to a niece, doesn't he? Uh, does he? I believe, I'm not I'm sure. Not mm. Someone listening will correct us, but I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking... I mean, QSI out is going to mean uh, it's just I'm I, I'd rather and I've said this before, I'd rather have uh, much, lim- much more limited finances, much less, you know, dominance over domestic football in France if it meant that the club was actually run well, you know, because if if you have less money, but you spend it better, your money goes farther. Just look at Benfica, how they top the group over us. They don't have a bunch of money. Uh, they make most of their money from selling stars to the Premier League and La Liga. So look at Monaco. Um, but, look at Leipzig. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Other good examples. Uh, I I loosely follow Southampton in the Premier League, and from 2013 to 2018, they were really good at selling players. Sadio Mane is a former Southampton guy, and they Sold used to be that. Liverpool, and Liverpool won the league. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and they also had Virgil Van Dijk. Uh, so they had a stacked lineup at Southampton back today, and they were that club in England for a while. So um, I'm just, I'm just over this, uh, you know. And people have said to me, this is, I think, my last point that I'll have on this. People have said, well, you know, QSI invested all this money, and they and they kind of took the club out of the calling capital days, which I agree that was a help. But let's think about this in 2011 when they they took over, became majority shareholders. Uh, Paris was an untapped market. Basically, that and the city of Berlin were the only two cities, big, big cities, big capital cities in Europe that did not have a major contending club that was consistently in the Champions League. So I make the argument that by 2015 at the latest, someone rich was going to come in, see this untapped market, put a couple, you know, buy PSG for 200, 300 million, uh, and make billions off of it. I mean, look at QSI. They spent a hundred million on, on that first uh, stake in PSG, I think for 70% or something. And now the club, like you said, worth 3.2 billion. So I, I make the case that someone would have came in and done that. And I preferably don't want it to be a sports washing regime uh, like Qatar. So I think that's, that's my, that's my thoughts summed up. Yeah, you, you think about. I was just looking. The Qatari government branch agreed to pay PSG a billion over five seasons, including a hundred million for the first season. So I think they definitely would get a good return on their investment if they were to sell PSG. I do wonder. I mentioned Bezos. Um, he's looking around. Maybe the Washington Commanders in the NFL, but um, Amazon has the deal with uh, League on. I believe to broadcast games there in France. So maybe. Maybe owning PSG is something that would interest him. Um, you know, being a, a billionaire like that, it, having a club in Paris, I know that's probably what I would spend my money on if I was a billionaire. Um, Ethan, um, let's see what else we've got. So PSG, they won today over Brest. Um, 
barring complete catastrophe, they're going to win League On. So looking past the end of this season, we'll talk about that game here in a second. Um, it's my, this is my last question, um, kind of just big picture stuff. But looking into the summer transfer window, what are some major moves slash decisions that you think the club needs to make sooner rather than later? Mm, okay. Well, I think uh, I ran a poll on my uh, Twitter page uh, just earlier this week. I think actually right after the day after the elimination, so on Thursday. And I basically asked people if they wanted uh, Gaultier in, Campos in, both in or both out. And I think only 23% of people wanted both in, which is really disappointing to see. Um, but I, I think they got to stay. I think, um, I think you know, patience, consistency is key. As far as moves for going into next season, I mean, I think the big thing is because we need to continue on this path of financial stability. Campos is, I hope he does a good job too. He, he did a really good job on selling or loaning 17 of the guys that were here last year. I hope he can sell most of them and preferably loan out the rest. If he can sell, you know, 10 of those guys for even 10 million each, which I'm sure some of them will go for more. I like guys like Icardi, if they, if he goes to stays in Turkey, he'll probably go for a little more than 10 million. But if he can get, a uh, hundred, a hundred and thirty million for all those guys, plus what he's saving in wages, uh, as well as not extending one of uh, Neymar or or Messi, because you know we all know Mbappe is going to be the the head honcho at the club almost certainly, um, and one of those guys uh, should probably go just because all their wages. Are I mean their wages are nearly what half the you know half the wage bill alone, so you got to get rid of one one of those guys. And uh, we've went over this. I just don't think Neymar is going to leave. So I think by default, I'll be a little sad to see him go. Not that I'm super attached to the goat, but it'll be a little sad to see him go. But I think Messi probably has to go. If Ramos isn't going to take a significant pay cut. Uh, then I think he he probably has to go as well, and then just yeah, like I said, continue to sell those the loft players. That was the term designated in in the fall for any of you who don't know the loft players. That's all the deadwood, uh, all the guys who've been there's here that have been. There is a lot of it. Okay. Yeah, there's there's enough deadwood to uh, build a ship. I think. Yeah, but um, I think and that's then be after, the name of this uh, podcast. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But uh, other than that, just once we've got to that point where, all right, we've got some spending power, we're financially stable again, we've we've got a decent core. I think if we give guys like Vitinha and Fabian Ruiz, Mukiele, just give them some more time, and I think most most of them, or at least half of them, will figure it out. And then you go from there. I really only think we will need. I mean, we're adding Milan Skriniar. I really think realistically because i i don't think we're personally going to get rid of marquinhos or variety or guys like that i think just three three big signings three signings that just instantly make our starting 11 much stronger and then a lot of the guys like ekatike i mean he's already on the bench but he'll stay on the bench guys like renato sanchez who came back today just a lot of these guys will uh, they'll be stuck on the bench and they won't like it because they got signed with, I'm sure they got signed with the expectation that they're going to compete for a starting spot. Uh, but I, we need one or two or, you know, more uh, elite players into the team. So if we take away Messi's wages and Ramos's wages, uh, which are probably 70 million combined between them, you can get three, world-class midfielders for those wages not transfer fee but wages so um just i mean just imagine what our team could look like if this is spent wisely um, yeah you, you mentioned so the wages is definitely a big part of it i was reading some reports about psg not really having as much money to spend um in transfer fees as they've had in recent years and something to keep in mind is i believe if they win the league that PSG will have to pay what thirty million euro for Ekatike that that eats into yeah. 
that eats into transfer fees that you can you know spend elsewhere so they're gonna have to sell sell a lot hopefully they can get you know a good return and then use that and, and try to fill in the holes um screenyar is great i love that he's coming in free transfer love that um could have used them earlier but I'll take them when we can get them. I think probably another center back signing is much, much needed. And we've been looking for a tall defensive midfielder uh, since Tiago Malta left. So I think that's going to be something that Campos is going to be looking for. That needs to be shored up. I think, you know, Messi, he goes. I think Neymar could go. Um, and so you're going to need some attacking players to go with um Mbappe to, to help out. So a lot of work to be done um, this summer. It'll be interesting. Um, for sure. Um, Ethan, let's switch gears. Let's talk about today's match here in the final few minutes that we have. PSG traveled to Stade Bressois and escaped with a late winner by Kylian Mbappe, who just moments before that probably escaped uh, getting a red card, but he stays on and just barely stayed on side to score the, the winner there. Um, it was somewhat of a makeshift squad from Gaultier with so many players unavailable. Um, Soler was in the starting lineup with Zaire Emery and... Um, Pembele was in the in the defense there, so um, me personally, I probably would have bet money that PSG would have lost lost this match because that's just what PSG does. Uh, following big Champions League matches, they just sort of have this lull and they just go through their paces and get beat. So um, in this match, what did you like? What didn't you like uh, from the win over Brest? Yeah, so the thing that I, I like is uh, I was talking to my my brother earlier today and. Just letting him know what what I was going to be doing, and while we were uh, lifting, I was we were actually watching the uh, Bayern match this morning. He he's a unfortunately he's a Bayern supporter. Um, and when I uh, I kind of got him into football during during COVID, and uh, he just liked that Bayern was. I mean, Bayern's a really respectable club. I got a lot of respect for him, so uh, he likes them. And we were watching that, but then he was asking me a little bit about PSG and. I was telling him this, this is a trap game. If I've ever seen one, uh, we're going to have to probably play four at the back because we don't have three healthy center backs. And we did play four at the back. Uh, we are going to, and I, I tweeted this exact thing right after the Bayern loss on Wednesday. Uh, you know, the guys just played on Wednesday night on Saturday. They have to be across France to the westernmost part of the country in the most rural part of the country in the part of the country that almost has some of the worst weather and they're going to have to go beat this team that's going to play this league on low block that we all love so much and they're fighting for their lives against relegation and just knowing I was looking at their squad and I mean Frank Honorat he scored today but I think he's their leading goal scorer with six goals on the season you know just they're not prolific but I just felt there was this perfect storm of yep we're definitely going to struggle today um, but I also said the most important thing is just, just get this win. I tweeted right at full time, uh, this, this cute little inspirational, uh, photo. And it, it said, sometimes you got to win ugly. Uh, just that, that, that was us today. We just had to win ugly, get the points We're we're demoralized. We're down, we're, we're out. Uh, and we just needed to get these three points by whatever means necessary. And I love that we fought back and did that. Uh, one of the things I really liked that it was it was sort of bad for us, but then it worked in our favor right at the very end on the goal. Is Stade Brestois, they almost got so confident with the way they were playing because they they were playing well. They almost got so confident with the way they were playing that they were like, you know what, let's let's go for the three points ourselves. And then that's when we hit them on the counter for that uh, crazy kind of weird goal at the end. Uh, with the the long through ball from Messi to Mbappe, who rounds the keeper, and I swore he was offsides so when that happened. I was thinking, no, that's that's not going to stay on. But just the way I looked at it, uh, I must have just not looked at it well. And he was onside, and they almost—I'm telling you—they almost got so confident in maybe we snagged the three points, which would be huge for their their uh, battle against relegation. That for the first time all match they left themselves very exposed at the back and we instantly punished them for it. So I love that we were clinical when we really had to be, uh, we could have made the game could have already been three, one at that point. But, um, so I do love that. I love the fight. I love that 
uh, amidst this time where you could tell the guys on the bench were just depressed. The guys on the pitch were depressed. No one, no one wanted to be there in the, that part of the country on that, that kind of cold night. But I love that we got the win things that I didn't like. Um, I I'm trying to remember too much from it. I don't think Soler had the greatest game outside of his, his goal, but he, he is a good, I, and I said this too, uh, if, if Soler is good at one thing, he is a good poacher. He is really good at being an attacking midfielder, making that run into the box right as there's a shot or a pass. And every once in a while, he finds himself in the right place at the right time. But other than that, kind of a dud. I mean, Pembele didn't do very well either, but it's I don't have super high expectations for him. I don't feel like anyone uh, had a really, really bad game, except I feel Sergio Ramos would go back and forth between moments of brilliance and moments of collapse. So, yeah, I, I just think I'm more relieved than anything that we just scraped out that win because 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 we needed it. So, yeah, we didn't play well. That was pretty clear. But opposed to kind of picking out what went wrong, I'm just going to be happy that this is a this is three points in the bag. We've got Ren next week on Sunday at the park, and then we've got an international break. So. I just want us to get three points from that one as well. And then, I mean, most of our guys will be playing international matches, but they'll kind of have the chance to get away from the club for a while. A lot of the guys who don't go on international break, who, who don't get picked for their countries, they'll have time to breathe. They'll have time to relax, time to reflect and sort of recharge because April's looking like a bit of a tough month. I think we've got Leon, Lons, uh, I think Nice, we've got a couple tough matchups in April. And if we choke all those away by the end of April, it could be a title fight again if Marseille do well. So let's just, let's just get the three points next week. Um, you know, burn the, burn the tape from today. Cause it wasn't good, but be happy that we got the three points. Yeah, definitely need the three points. You kind of led into a question I was going to ask towards the end here. It's just the pretty difficult upcoming fixture list. Um, so PSG definitely needed to get this. And, uh, to your point away at Brest is like a cold night in Brest. It's just like in the premier league, a cold night in Stoke. So uh, in Stoke. Yes, yes, yes. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, I guess Uh one thing I didn't like is for Brest's goal. It was more of the same that we've seen the long diagonal pass that just beats our defense, you know, an attacking player, um, just gets free and excellent first touch. And beat Donnarumma. I don't blame Donnarumma too much for that one, but it's it's the same pass that beats us all the time. That long diagonal pass, especially in league on, like teams have figured that out, and we just can't defend it. So definitely didn't like that. Um, I didn't like Bitsyabu, and I know he picked up a little bit of a knock uh, against Bayern, but I, I want to see Garby and Bitsyabu. I want to see these young players out there as much as possible. I don't like that neither one of those two players um, were able to get on the pitch because I think they have a much brighter future than, say, a Carlos Soler um, or even a Sergio Ramos, who, as we talked about earlier, is going to be probably on his way out. So, like, let's let's get some minutes for these younger players and see what they can do. And if it's not going well, then bring Ramos in. But they, they certainly need to see minutes. And then I guess what I like, obviously, the win. Um, obviously, Mbappe up for it. Um, Great goal. Soler scored, but really I credit Mbappe. He was the one to put the shot on on target, and, and Soler was able to get the rebound. So I like that I'm seeing Mbappe is still focused. He's still still wanting to score goals. He's not just going through the motion. So love to see that. Um, let's see. What else do I got here? So I want to touch on, and we mentioned it a few times, um, Renato Sanchez came on late for Zaire Emery. What do you make of him as a player? Is he someone that you think going into next season can actually do something for PSG? Or is he just going to go down as, you know, so many players that we've seen in the past, they come in and they don't really do anything and then they leave and it was just a complete waste of money. So do you think there's something there in Sanchez? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm just naive or optimistic, but I honestly think Renato Sanchez can be a pretty good can be a pretty good player. He can dribble well. Uh, he he's a guy that if he was, uh, you know, if his he just overall had more much more quality, I feel like he would be great in a game like 
just against a team like Bayern, where most of the most of the tie we were expected to counterattack, and he's just a guy that I feel like he's good on the counterattack. I feel like in Ligue 1, he we're seeing now that I don't think he was the best buy there, which is funny because he came from a Ligue 1 club. But just the way we play is heavy possession based. A guy like Vitinha is so much better equipped. Just his skill set is so much better for for Liga than it is for uh, you know these te- these big Champions League games where we're not going to have the bulk of possession. But I honestly think he can be a good player for us. I still think that, um, and you know, like I said, I think this is the optimist in me. But I really think that Vitinha is going to end up very good. And then I really think that just because I trust Campos so much. His track record of identifying uh, talent, even though these guys aren't young, they're 25, 26, just his track record of identifying talent is so good. I expect one of Soler, Ruiz, or Renato Sanchez to become a very, very good player. So we'll we'll see if it happens, but I don't know which one it's going to be, but I, I still trust in, I still am a believer that one of them is going to turn out very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to think I wish he was available. We could have played him against Bayern Munich because he's a former Bayern Munich player. I think he was there on loan. So maybe he could have came on and scored a goal for us against his old club because uh, we've certainly seen that enough against PSG. I, I don't know. I mean, at Lille, he was, he was a solid player, and you know he's played on some big clubs. And so I think he's got the quality, but it's down to our you know, training staff. Can they get him fit? Can we get him minutes? And uh, I, I think he can certainly... We, we need help in the midfield, so, you know, maybe Varadi, Sanchez, is that kind of our next season? Is that our, our midfield duo? And then you throw in Vitinha with, um, you know, Ruiz or, or Soler is kind of subs. It's not a terrible midfield, you know, so we just need to get Sanchez back and see what he can do under Gaultier or whoever the manager is. So I'm going to reserve judgment on Sanchez at this moment. I think I'm probably more like you on the side. I think he will turn out to be a good player. It's just hard to tell right now. It really is. So we'll keep an eye on that. Ethan, you mentioned the um, the four-game stretch for PSG coming up. They've uh, home against Stade Rene, then Lyon. Uh, international break, they've got to go away at Nice. That's not going to be an easy match. And then home against Lyon. So if they – just real quick, how many points did they get out of those uh, four games, do you think? Mm, out of those four? Yeah, 12 points. I'm going to go – I'm going to go – what would, what would two wins, one draw, one loss be? Uh, that would be seven? Yeah, seven. seven. I'm going to go seven because mm-hmm. we're not playing well. But I also think that it'll be enough to – we'll still win Liga because I already checked. If you look at the teams, I think the bottom – I guess we've played Brest today. But before the Brest game today, I think we still had five of the six teams at the bottom of the table to play. So if you look at our, our fixtures, after this tough stretch in early to mid-April, it gets very easy at the end of the season. So even if Marseille pull it back to within four points or something, by the time that we're done with that stretch, Marseille is almost certainly going to drop points, and we probably won't have another loss the rest of the season after those. So, um, yeah, I, I see us winning the uh, by... What are we up 11 now, but assuming Marseille win tomorrow, as we're filming this, like you said, right after the, the Stadbrestal game, we'll probably win Liga by like, yeah, like eight points, like what we're basically up now. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit less. I think we get one win. I think we get two draws, so that will put you at five, and I think we, we do lose. Uh, but you're playing Lons, who's currently in fourth place. You've got Ren in fifth place, Nissan's in seventh, so they're all jockeying for you know, places in Europe next season. I think they, they have a lot to play for. We don't have a lot to play for. Yeah, no, I, I'm wondering if you could check real quick how many yeah. of those are home games because these kind of teams, especially Lons, when they were doing really well mm-hmm. and they beat us at the beginning after the World Cup break, yeah. people were thinking, oh, are Lons going to compete for the Liga title? I did a, a, a two-minute uh, bit of research into this and immediately knew, look at their away form, their away form is not good enough to win Liga, so I th- I think yeah, it, it is we, Lons at home, yeah. And the only away match is away at Nice, yeah. You said the only away match is which one? It, it is against Nice. I, I think that's that's the oh. loss. 
Yeah, no, I could see Nice beat. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, just all, three of those at home. Liga teams struggle to do well on on the road. So Ren Ren always have PSG's number. It, you know, I, I I think at this point with as many injuries as we have, some players maybe checking out, looking for their next team next season. Gaultier maybe is a lame duck coach. I don't think it's going to look good. I don't think we let league on slip, but I, I'm going with five points out of 12 in the next four matches. And you've got seven, so we'll see. We'll do another pod, see who got that one right. Um, mm-hmm. Ethan, we're going to go ahead and get out of here because we're coming up on an hour. Let everyone know who's listening, how they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, I'm at PSG underscore Boise. Fantastic. And as always, I'm Ed. You can find me at PSG Talk. Um a lot of exciting things going on. I think we've mentioned we've got a weekly column from Jonathan Johnson, who's a, a French football journalist and PSG fan, uh, writes for CBS um, Sports, and he's also contributing a column over uh, for us. We're working on a Substack. It's going to be free, but it's going to be a place where PSG fans can subscribe and, and read columns from myself and others, and we may even have a, a some audio features. So uh, look for a link. I'll send that out on our Twitter, and you can um, subscribe to that. And then we have a very exciting partnership that we're probably going to announce, I don't know, either Sunday or Monday. I'm pushing for Monday. So Definitely stay tuned. Ethan, you don't even know what the, what that is, so you're, you're kind of like on the edge of your seat now, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think I know what it is, yeah. I'll tell you, I, I, you can be the first to know. Keep on the DL. I'll let you know after the show. So um, a lot of exciting things happening at PSG Talk, even if the, the, you know, not as exciting things are happening with the club at this moment, but we move forward. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We very much appreciate that. Um, And thanks again for listening. Bye, everyone.